Do you ever wonder how two dudes can pump out over 250 podcasts per year and not charge a penny for it? Generous people like you make it all possible. There are lots of great ways to support us, but one of the simplest is to straight up throw us cash. Go to support.baldmove.com to donate via PayPal, and we also accept Bitcoins for all you crypto nerds out there. Oh, down with the fiat currency! Fight the power! Uh, yeah, and support free and independent podcasting. Support.baldmove.com Hello and welcome to the American Horror Story podcast brought to you by Bald Move at baldmove.com. We're the officially unofficial podcast for the American Horror Story freak show. And all of the other things that you love. I'm Cecily. And I'm Aaron. And tonight we're going to be talking about season four, episode six, entitled Bullseye. Bullseye. Directed by Howard Deutsch, who uh, has directed episodes of Getting On, True Blood, which we love so much. And uh, a lot of singular episodes of some basic cable stuff. He's got a long list. Um, it's written by John J. Gray. He wrote a lot of episodes of American Horror Story, a lot of Dollhouse, a lot of Firefly and Angel, uh, among other things. All right. Well, it seems like we're in fairly good hands. Yeah. Uh, another long one, I guess, is what you'd say. Yeah, extra 15 minutes there. I and and I feel like that uh they are less successful with the long ones. There's a lot of people that really hated this episode it seemed like on I felt like it dragged. It was dull. There was long periods of just I don't I, know. I, I fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. I I hated that I don't know. I mean, I so like what I my take on it was I felt extremely uncomfortable watching a lot of the stuff. Like you know, the endangerment of Maw Petite and the freak snuff fantasies that the show is continued to use as Fracken T says it's part of their language this season. Kind of like last season, it was everybody getting killed and then brought back to life. Uh, no harm, no foul. Yeah. Or maybe even better than they were before. <laughs> uh, so maybe that's just the thing that they're going to... Uh, it, but it, it feels kind of like exploitative for shock value, which is normally okay, but I don't know. It's something like... Seeing Ma Petite getting drowned in formaldehyde. I know, especially when she's just being so cute. Yeah. And you, and you gave it to us twice. You faked us out twice. Yeah. Like, I was sick of that shit when I saw Stanley last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the continual fake out. So anytime I see the two of them uh, separately, I'm not going to believe it. Two of them working together, I'm definitely not going to believe what I'm seeing. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder what the... I'm always wondering... I almost wish I hadn't read the interviews, but the interview with the actress that plays Ma Petite, where she says, you know, I hate being treated like a baby. I hate being held. And here she's literally swaddled up. Yeah, she's being used as a cuddle baby and she's doing very childlike things. And it just, um, I understand that she's not being forced to do these things. Sure. But it still doesn't make it feel any better knowing that information and watching these things happen. And maybe the fact that we see that as being kind of gross and abusive is part of the point. It's like, you know, don't be that person. But I don't – that's the crazy thing. I don't know that I would be having these feelings if I had not read that interview by her. Yeah, so, I would think that sh- it was part of her act. You it was know? just adorable. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. A lot of them play the, you know, kind of real-life characters that yeah, they yeah. made their living on. And I would – if I hadn't read the interview, I would have assumed that that's a part of her gimmick. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I liked Big Red Kelly's take on Facebook. She says, uh, who knew that love would be the creepiest episode? That feels accurate to me. Yeah. Like, I felt that this was all about love and wanting to be loved and... Being unable to find it. Being unable to feel the emotion or find the emotion or display the emotion to others. And uh, it got dark. It got pretty dark pretty damn fast. <laughs> it's never easy. Uh, well, let's get right into the episode where we see Elsa Mars is marshalling carnies that we have never seen before and will never see again. I feel like she's got this army of just muscle. Yeah, except for the little short muscle guy. Yeah, that that just is is her to call upon and then they're, you know, they they can't be bothered to uh, you know, beat you know, It's true. They have bury a, bodies or you know, it's other things you need like m- hardcore muscle on. They have a bigger cast than Game of Thrones. They just don't have the time <laughs> to give us all their names and backstories. Do you think that they're like townies in Jupiter that they're just like, you know, she calls no, in I and think it's like there's... I need for $5 I need a day laborer or whatever and they just come out? No, I think I think there's a lot of people with abnormalities that f- probably find comfort in working for the freak show. Like those guys have webbed toes or something. That, or I mean, one of them it is doesn't the, set them apart that much. One but... of them is the leg penis dude. We're always wondering about. No, that's Stanley. We've seen him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have uh, our our spoiler section is has got together with previous spoiler sections and made spoiler section babies because I don't think we'll ever be able to get away with it, uh, get away from it now. Yeah. We'll have a robust spoiler section at the end of the cast. Really? As as normal where we talk about things um, um, and stuff. And stuff. Only if you want to be spoiled for, pre, you know, next seasons of American, I- American Idol. <laughs> the true American horror story, if we're being honest. Uh, no, if you want to be spoiled for future seasons of American Horror or even this season. Uh, if not, you can shut it off at the theme song and you'll be spoiler free. Perfect. So Elsa's sh- whipping out an old act that she's just like a giant grab bag of surprises. Zawil. <laughs> she's bringing it out. You and- thought she had a very ordinary backstory with this uh, Marlene Dietrich type character that yeah. she keeps alluding to, but it, it goes deeper. Yeah. And she's got this elaborate thing that she weaves into all her monologuing at the wheel where it's it's a fate. Because it's not like it's an actor. There's any skill. She just flings knives at the board and sees what sticks. And you know she, what? she knows how to keep off of of the wheel. It's not beauty or true love or youth. It's 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 about being able and willing to sacrifice everything you care about. And as she's giving this monologue, you see that she's fantasizing all the freaks being on the wheel and being terrified as she throws knives at them. It's really fucked yeah. up. What were you gonna say? Um, I was going to say, speaking of fate, I was just reminded of something. Um, Maggie Esmeralda got into the freak show by doing a very uh, good cold reading of Miss Elsa. Oh, yeah? Um, has she been asked to perform at all? Like, how long has she been there? A few weeks, maybe? Has yeah. she done anything? Well, I feel like that... I mean, this is all besides kind of flirt cannon. with Jimmy and try to kind of flirt with the idea of killing people. But I feel like she doesn't have an act so much as she's going to be set in a small tent on the midway where she's like, "Can I read your poem for five dollars?" Or mm-hmm. I'll tell you how to find true love. She's like that kind of act. She's not like something you'd put on stage. I'd she's... like to see her perform though. Like twisting his his clown show. It's yeah. like a side. It's a side show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so she says that she's adapting this as her television mainstay. 
and all of the she notices all the freaks are kind of bummed out, and she asks why. It's because they're all worried about the twins. And she gets mad. She's like, they're the ones that left us. I tried to take them on a shopping trip, and they snuck out on us. And she says, "You, uh, my little monsters should all be grateful to me because in a few months I'm going to send to you from the TV, uh, from TV land, which I'm already like, ha ha. And then we find out that Elsa Mars is the kind of insufferable bitch that insists on making her birthday a week-long affair. Oh, my God. That... That is not cool, man. If, no, if, if, it's not. if I can't imagine anyone listening to this podcast engages in that kind of behavior, but just so you know, everyone is talking behind your back and hating you, including us. We're going to do it for like 15 minutes after the podcast. <laughs> in the spoiler section. It's in just the spoiler be section. And you, you're not you. allowed, birthday girl. <laughs> you get the fuck out of here. We're going to talk about you <laughs> behind gift, your back. Conspicuously. This gift is not for you. <laughs> uh, so. She uh, says uh, um, uh, Ethel, as is Juan, tries to kind of stay behind and, and sympathize with her for some reason. And uh, she dismisses her and, and she goes, you're the boss, Elsa. And she goes, yes, I am, as we go into the credits, which I continue. It's my favorite thing about this show by far are the credit sequences. Yeah. Something about the music, something about the freaky deaky shit. Mm-hmm. It really, really speaks to something dark inside of me. <laughs> Uh, we go, then go to the dandies having a sullen dinner, and the dandy uh, opines that he liked Dora better. And mm. uh, Miss Mott says, "Well, hindsight is twenty twenty, dear." Who's the new person? I don't know. Just some okay. stock. I wasn't sure if I missed it. Stock, classy, silver-haired old, uh, uh, middle-aged old woman from Central Casting. Okay. <laughs> Who may or may not uh, die. She's got, she, she says, look under your dome for a present, son. And it's a bunch of uh, prophylactics. It's a bunch of uh, French, was it French letters? Is that, was that the term that was yeah. used? Things, true blood. Things to prevent uh, babies from being made. A French letter. Oh, no, no. That was on the Nick. We saw yeah, that. You have French, a French, French letter. Then um, he says, look, look, you, you, you don't understand, mother. I would never violate these girls. I love them. My heart was lost, and I needed their the love of two hearts to bring it back to me. And I'm a freak, but when I'm with them, I feel normal, and I'm going to marry those girls. We're this close to writing a country song. So going to marry those girls one day. He doesn't plan on ever having sex with them. Well, the the, the he doesn't want to violate them. Right. So what would violating be? You like you know doing it before he buys them a steak dinner. Okay. So, Before he buys them beluga caviar, you mean? Beluga caviar, yeah. Once the beluga has been consumed, all bets are off. Um, That's like $200 a tin. Like, it's just, just being polite to have sex with them at that point. They don't want to be if, rude. My God. If Dot is willing to have sex uh-huh. and she wants to, uh-huh. but Bet isn't. That's the thing. Is half of them getting raped? <laughs> wow. Wow. Uh, you know that's interesting because you could just cock block someone all 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 lifelong if if you want to play by those rules. Yeah, I don't know who owns the vagina. Uh, I think it's just shared. Terrible. Like, do they, they, they do they that, that would do be... they divide it along the cleft line? That's that's it, it's 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 really weird to think about this kind of stuff. And there is. is a real life person that is exactly <laughs> like Bet, and we talked about her a couple of casts ago. I, I don't remember the two women's names, but they're exactly like they're exact. This situation physiologically, exactly. And they both have boyfriends, don't they? 
I don't know. There's rumors that one of them's getting married. I don't know. But and it's... you can actually, with Dot and Bet, you can actually split their body in half and say, this is your arm, and this is your arm, and this is your foot, sure. and this is your foot. But I guess that's, that's the one the thing. thing that you can't say, this is for sure my half. Yeah. So that's really weird. Yeah. Unless it's the split line, like the, the unless it's split along the V and the B. So, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Then she could be like, I'm not, you can't use my orifice <laughs> and I'm not going, don't, don't expect a hand job from this hand. <laughs> um, yeah, that would be interesting. Okay. That would be super. Yeah. Anyway, um, I feel like this conversation is gross somehow and we need to be moving on. These are serious questions we're asking. Serious questions. Um, Ethel, uh, we, we have the birthday part. This is day one of the week-long extravaganza, and it's the exchanging of gifts. And uh, Ethel got Miss Elsa Westmore Beauty Products, which I guess was a big thing back then. Okay. It. Uh, I didn't do any research because I... I don't need confirmation. <laughs> don't, don't give a shit about makeup. Uh, Paul got her lingerie, which I thought was... Ooh, a cheeky bastard. ...was pretty cheeky until we find out later in the episode how much freaky deaky stuff they get up to. And then I thought that was kind of careless. Um, Eve brings in a big box. Well, actually it's a little box and it's a little cuddly ma petite and a Aww. pink crocheted, uh, her very own hot thing. water bottle to cuddle. Yeah. And she just takes it and, and, uh, she cuddles it and, uh, she's her. still, she's a person. People tend to forget that <laughs> she is being, uh, if you if you look up objectification in the dictionary, you'll see Ma Petite swaddled up in this little <laughs> pink crocheted nightmare. Um, but maybe that's a part of that's this is this is American horror story. Maybe we're supposed to be horrified at all this. That's the point. I don't know. Get on board. That's the point. God damn it. <laughs> and uh, she says again, why the long faces? Why so gloomy? It's my birthday week, and uh, uh, Ma Petite opines that we miss the twins. And she says, enough talk about the twins. No more. Start having fun or I'll put you all on the wheel. Which, you know, that's morale shall improve. The beatings will continue until (laughs) Until morale morale improves. improves. Yeah. Uh, Moving on, we see Elsa is smoking opium and getting some seal boy love. Paul's in bed with her. And she teases him, you're not falling in love with me, are you? We don't do that. And she asks if anyone knows. And it's so far just him and I guess Ma Petite. I mean, Mapatit's just sitting in the corner. Just watching. So uncomfortable. Ready ready to be the bed warmer. So that's at least two freaks that know. Yeah. And and he says that people are aware of him sneaking into her tent at night. And he why goes, I'm just, just leaving a mint on your pillow. Yeah, you know, why not just be open about it? Yeah. Uh, what's what's there to hide? I mean, the was it the first episode? Yeah. We see that they had a big sex party with this nurse sure. girl. Sure. Sure, which is problem <laughs> leads to some other problems later in the episode. Paul knows about her legs, right? He's got to. I mean, yeah, he's got he's to. He's got to. And Ethel, we're pretty sure, knows about her yeah. legs just from the reaction to all that going on in the pilot. Yeah. Ma Petite has to know about her legs. Yeah. This is getting to be like, there's a lot of open secrets, it seems, in the freak show. Hmm. Maybe they all kind of know, but they pretend not to know. To it's one of those things. Satiate her. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, all right. So uh, he, she, and, and uh, Elsa says a lot of cruel things to Paul. Like, I think I'm going to bring you out 
uh, because you can drive my car and you know how to please me. You can't drive, can't you? Yeah. And then it, when I get a normal suitor, then you can pretend to be my chauffeur. And he says, I'm flattered that you would even give me a second thought. Again, I'm not saying what she's doing is right. Uh-huh. But how could you possibly be surprised at such a vain woman? Yeah. Having such shallow because level it's, interests. Because it's just like Edward Mordrake said. She There's something super offensive about her lording over these people when she is just like them. Yeah, she's no better than them. I mean, yeah. I in mean, fact, she's kind of worse. In, uh, indeed. So that's, I think, where like, I'm just kind of like, it's it's setting my teeth on edge watching her. And then she's like, bring me my cuddle. It's not mop a teeth. Or, it's just bring me my cuddle. And it's just. So creepy when she takes her into her arms yeah, and, and just like starts, a baby. Yeah, like kissing on her and stuff. Yeah. <sighs> um, get a dog, lady. That's what dogs are for. Yeah. And if you're dogs still will cold never at night, judge you ever, and, and they will always think you're the best person yep, in the whole world. You get a dog, and if you're still cold, get another dog. Pile <laughs> up the dogs until you have a living blanket. Until and you they become Cruella Deville. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Then make a fur coat and start about, start the process all over again. Uh, we then see Paul has jumped ship and put on his pants and is making time with the candy striper. And he says that uh, he, he detects the Venetian romance perfume mm-hmm. on her skin. And she's curious about why they don't make love. Do you think... Why don't they make love? Do you think it's because he truly wants her to get to know him as a man, or do you think he's spent from Elsa May? I think or it's, Elsa Mars, rather. I think it's because she has Stockholm syndrome, and the very first time they got to know each other, he was gang raping her <laughs> with all the other freaks. And uh, I think he wants to rebuild that trust if they're going to have a real relationship. Tackle yeah. those issues head on. Yeah, so that's the that's the crux of this thing but that that's she was not really what's happening. I don't think those things are really being ju- addressed. Well, so do you think that this implies that things were more consensual than? So, like, let's say that you you you're you're a candy striper and you come into this tent and the freak's like, "We're gonna smoke opium and have an orgy," and you say, "Okay." Then it's okay, right? Well, the mere fact that she's drugged I don't during think, this process. Well, she was drugged before she left the hospital. Yeah, that you're was right. established. That's well, so that's where it goes south. That's highly likely, anyway. I mean, here are the facts. <laughs> Give just the facts. That's the what facts. we concern ourselves. Elsa with on this gave her a cigarette. Uh, in the next scene, the girl was gone. Elsa was wearing her uniform and pushing her cart around. Those are the facts of what happened in the candy striper in the first episode. Sure, she shows up later, and I mean, maybe she smoked some opium. Maybe she had a good time. But I just don't think if you are not enthusiastically consentful and in your right mind that it's fair so, yeah. to say that you can just do right. those things to someone. I mean, there's really two possible interpretations. One was that it was super consensual and she freaked out because it was so far outside of her performance envelope and she went away and then she came back and decided, I really like Paul. I think, and yeah, then the other I think one she is may that, develop feelings for Paul for sure. And then the other thing is, like you said, Stockholm Syndrome. That it's, you know, we ever, everyone knows what the fuck that is. Yeah. Where you get kidnapped or you're in a stressful situation, you start to identifying and even defending and having affection for your captors. Like Beauty and the Beast. Like Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Beth just got dark as hell. 
Um, anyway, he says, hey, I just want you to know me as a man. I don't want you to know me just as a lover. I have so much more to offer. And just as he's about to elaborate, you hear this bang, bang, bang. Angry voices on the other side. And he, their dad comes in and says, why did you lock the door? Who are you talking to? And... And also, even though I'm being scary and overbearing and frightening, I'm just doing my job. I'm trying to keep my little girl safe. Bang up job, daddy. Bang up job. Yeah. You might want to check a particular 8mm film going around Jupiter <laughs> to see how great a job you're doing. Yeah. That's um, about all there is to this scene. Yes. Uh, why is Paul entertaining a relationship with both Elsa and Meryl Streep's daughter? Well, I feel like he's in the clear. Because Elsa made it very clear that you shouldn't fall in love with me. That's not what we do. So he has sex with her and has love with Meryl Streep's daughter. Yeah, that as long as you know, as long as as long as people are open and honest about what to do. Now I don't know if Paul's telling her the yeah, truth. Yeah, it about doesn't seem like he is because stuff. of the way Elsa reacts to knowing about the candy striper later. Well, that's the thing. I think Elsa, Elsa, uh, screwed up and fell in love somehow. No, or maybe it's a I power control just, game. Yeah, I think she's very possessive. Yeah. But regardless, she was obviously not ever imagining that Paul would say, play by the same rule book. Right. Obviously not. Uh, we then go to check in with the twins, and Bet is over the moon. Dear Diary, happiness is too small a word to describe the joy I feel. And um, we see Bet is seems like she's a lot more skeptical about the situation. Dandy wheels in his big cart where he has had the cook make them everything for breakfast. It looks so good. I'm hungry. <laughs> Which, you know, that's awesome. And sh- uh, bet- Except for the caviar. Yeah, caviar. You've had it? I've had it. And it's just... Was it like high-end stuff? Yes. And here's the thing. Is there low-end caviar? I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure there is, but this was the beluga shit. You know, in in little little teeny tiny t- tins, and the thing is, is like, I thought it's one of those things where the cost is so high that to force myself to, de- I'm sure you can develop a taste for it. It's just like really hoppy beer, strong mm-hmm. coffee, mm-hmm. dry wine, you know, high end scotch. The first time you, it's like repulsive. And then you push through it because you know there's something at the end of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. But it'd be like if you couldn't get a good bottle of scotch for under a thousand dollars. Interesting. Like the it, it's so hard for an average person to acquire the taste you need to appreciate it that it's like once I tried it once, I'm like, no, nah, I'm just no, not done. What is it? It's like it salty? tastes like it tastes like King Neptune shot a load in my mouth. It was. <laughs> There's some, some interesting <laughs> popping textures that it was kind oh, of really? fun, like you know, because they're like these little spheres. But when they pop, they, it's just this fishy salt water in your mouth, and it's cold. I need you to go home and watch Finding Nemo and reevaluate your life choices. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Dot, we see that uh, Bet in Bet's opinion, their dandy is a gentleman through and through, and we see them watching private movies, and he's stealing handheld. Or handholds over the popcorn bar uh, barrel. Dot is somewhat darker, saying she's not sure what manner of servitude we found ourselves in, what dark intentions await. Uh, Dandy over breakfast is reading them a newspaper article. He says this is something of news of interest, and he reads tells them about the first surgery to separate Siamese twins. There are sixteen-month-old twins, and they underwent a twelve-hour, forty-minute operation. And then Dot's eyes are open to the purpose they're here. Dandy has the money for this surgery. It would take her a lifetime to acquire, and it's just at his fingertips. 
and we cut to a fantasy of Dot meeting Jimmy post surgery, and she's whole and she's normal and uh, attractive, and she goes by the name Dorothy mm-hmm. because she's she's a her she's own a person full now. person again, yeah. And she writes in her diary, "This gilded cage might finally set me free." Big fan of the florid nature of both twins' writing style. Yeah, it's like they don't have an average day. No, they are. They spend a lot of time using their imaginations. Yes. Yeah, you got to from growing up in an old farmhouse. Yes, and and still, that's the other thing that's interesting about. Well, we'll wait till uh, get to that scene a little bit later. I guess. Okay. We're at the pharmacy, and Paul is trying to buy a Venetian bottle of Venetian romance from. So, if you have a spectrum of understanding, on one end is the kindly doctor. On the other end is this bastard of a pharmacist who yeah. doesn't even want to sell him the products, wants him to get the fuck out of a store. Um, and why they're kind of arguing about uh, Paul's basic human right to exist on the same planet as this fucker. Uh, the dandy comes up and says, clerk, clerk, your selection is lacking. I can only find one of these fine ivory toothed, fine bristle bore brushes for my ladies. Check in back. And Paul looks over, not being a dummy, notice he's buying two of everything, including the trademark bet and dot <laughs> headbands. headbands. And he's like, the fuck are you doing? And when the pharmacist comes back out, Dandy accuses him of pickpocketing, which I thought Paul hilarious is like, what with these things? Yeah. Like, I can't even get to your fucking pockets yeah. standing straight up. And the pharmacist throws him out. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to Woolworths because they're awesome and they give me ice cream. Mm. And then he hawks a huge loogie right at the window as he leaves. I wonder if that's true. Woolworths? Yeah. Ice cream? No. I mean, I wonder if Woolworths actually gives him, you know, human service. Or else you, th- you think you'd go there first, though, wouldn't you? I don't you? know. I just feel like, I don't know. Maybe the 50s. I mean, it was an awesome line to go out on, but I feel like in the yeah. 50s, being any kind of person that's not. Uh, white and completely fully formed. You've got to be facing adversary, adversity everywhere. I just still it boggles my mind. I wasn't around in the fifties, but did people lose their basic politeness? Like, if someone comes in with those hands, you're like, oh my god. Or was it the combination of the hands and the tattoos and the wife beater? I'm not sure what exactly, and and how true to life that was. Like in the fifties, was it if someone was like hideously burned? Or had a disfigurement? Could you just be like, "My God, this freak! Get him out of here!" Like that's so beyond the pale. Um, I mean, I get yeah. it when little kids do it. Yeah, I was just thinking of when your son. Yeah, did we that were at thing. Boston Market one day, and this guy came in with like one of those sad situations where like ninety percent of his body was third degree burns. And he just had, like, the nose holes and his ears were gone. And he comes in, and my son was, like, two and a half, three years old. And I could see it happening. (laughs) And I was like, now, Jack, you need – and he stood up on his chair. He pointed at the man. He goes, that man, he's covered in ouchies. Why is he covered in ouchies, like, at the top of his lung? And I'm like, I don't know what it feels like to have that happen. I'm On the one hand, I'm glad he just didn't just start crying or screaming. I mean, yeah, that he was expressing really concern and empathy for why there's so many ouchies on the man. But that's got to suck. And that's the one thing you can never, like, little kids. And that's strange. It's got to be horrifying. Yeah. But at the same time, you've got to 
be used to it on some level. Yeah. Like, you know, even if people I, don't say anything, ever get you know used they're to thinking little it. kids, like, having these negative reactions to you. That's, I think, the real curse. Um, like, ignorant people and little children are just going to be your tormentors. I think I would probably embrace it. Yeah? I would say, listen, sometimes these things happen. I was burned in a house fire and mm-hmm. uh, dress it head on, make it a learning experience. But... That's, I'm that's, not covered in third degree burns. That's what I'm so saying. I can't the amount you. of mental toughness and fortitude you have to have to take that high road yeah. on a day by day, minute by minute basis, I just, uh, I, like I said, I the courage you have to have to just live your life is amazing. Yeah. Um. In Tina Fey's bossy pants, she yeah. describes how I don't know if you ever noticed this, but Tina sure. Fey has a scar yep. going across her mouth there, and she talks about how when she was a young girl, some man just ran up and sliced her. And so she's had this. No shit. I thought it was like a dog attack or something. Mm -mm. Really? Yeah. And uh, so she she talks about how what it's like to both address it and just ignore it. And it's never there's no real happy solution. Mm -hmm. Just wish that it hadn't happened. Sure. Man. Well, on that somber, uh, very dark episode. (laughs) And we're finding darkness where it probably doesn't even exist. We're just picking it out of nowhere. We're plumbing it. We're plumbing it, mining it. (laughs) Hopefully we don't delve too deeply and a Balrog comes and destroys our studio. Uh, you're damn right I fit in a Lord of the Rings reference. Thank you. Uh, Paul tries to convince Jimmy of how evil Elsa Mars is, and Jimmy slaps Paul for his effort. And- now, this I genuinely didn't understand. Like, Paul knows that Dandy came and tried to buy the twins, right? So why would he assume... I mean, he's right, but why would he assume that Elsa had anything to do with it? Maybe... Wouldn't it seem because more the in the realm story, of possibility that Dandy kidnapped the twins? Well, and especially when Jimmy knows of Dandy seeing him. Oh, no. He doesn't know that was Dandy, does he? Wait a minute. If Dandy rented out the tent, then Jimmy would have recognized him on sight. Sight for what? Because he was wearing his mask. Oh, he was wearing full mask at that yes, point. Yes, okay. exactly. Okay. Exactly. It's all coming together but Here's the other thing, though. <laughs> I think that's... that. You might be right, except for Paul. the official cover story is Elsa Mars took these people that they've all seen her be insanely jealous of out shopping. And then come back alone. And then they ran off. And 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 it's you can see the steady pattern of abuse. Like this freak show used to be one thing and it's transforming into another for reasons that are not completely clear. I guess it's their lack of success or the fact that Elsa feels like her window is closing, but she's becoming more and more abusive Do you feel like there's, towards these people. There's um, a solution that's closer to the truth that would have worked better in Elsa's favor. We ran into Dandy and his mom while we were out shopping, and they offered more money, and the twins yeah, couldn't you're say right. no. You're I mean, because right. if you were to go to Dandy's house now, um, Dot is, or Bet. Whatever the sweet one is. Yeah. But I mean, both of them, they're kind of convinced that this is the right thing to do. Yeah. I think if the freak showed up on the doorstep and said, well, you want us to come, we want you to come back with us, they both, for different reasons. One would be like, no. I'm in love. And the other would be like, I'm in love with money. <laughs> right. But I don't know if else you could count on that. You know, it's, I, I, I mean, really I don't know. I feel like the truth or truth is closer to what when, you... when you're plotting selling human slaves, <laughs> it's really hard to come up with the proper cover story that's going to work for you in all circumstances. I mean, surely Elsa wouldn't know that it would work out so well for her or yeah. them. 
You know, the, probably the, wouldn't have done it if she'd known it worked out so well for them. What the other thing she could do is just decide to pack up because they've been talking about that the tickets are starting to soften up again. The shows are starting to, you know, the the novelty's wearing off because the twins aren't there. Like if this was a not television show, I think the thing you do is once you abandon the twins, you're like, all right, we're packing up. Fuck this town. We're going on to the next one, and then that pretty much neatly solves all problems. Yeah. But So anyway, uh. Jimmy acknowledges that Elsa has a dark heart, but she he also has saved every one of us. And Paul opines that Jimmy's problem is that you can pass for normal, something that none of us can ever do. And that that's blinding him to the fact that Elsa will kill anyone who gets in her way of her last shot of stardom. Uh, we then go back to the twins, where Dot is reading another report in the newspaper that one of the separated pin, twins died. And they, Dot and Bet, have kind of this joke, or not joke, um, debate about whether being together is God's will or it's God's cruel joke. And Dot's like, or Bet's like, look, we're going to share everything. You're going to have to accept that. At that, this time, the dandy butts in and says, hey, you always keep your diary locked. We shouldn't have secrets between us. I'm going to tell a secret and you tell me one. And he tells an outrageous lie about him killing uh, Twisty. Mm-hmm. and saying that Jimmy was unconscious and Dot, for no good reason, but she's actually right, said Jimmy would never lie. And Bet says, oh, you're the true hero, Dandy. And then he just flies into a rage when they, when, when Bet and Dot collectively refuse to tell him one of their secrets. Mm-hmm. This should be something that's super scary, but I feel like Dot or Bet rather is fully in Sansa Stark mode with Joffrey. Like she's so in love with this Prince Charming that the initial disturbing behaviors that should be setting off alarm bells, she's trying to blame on. It's exactly like Sansa, her yeah. sister provoking. Like, why can't yeah. you just make things be happy? Yeah. Why can't you just tell him a secret? Um, but anyway. So, uh, Dot and Bet. Yes. When Jimmy came back from the murder scene and he said the clown was dead, I don't know how, there was another guy who got away. Uh-huh. When Dandy confesses that he was there, do you think Dot Ooh. and Bet would kind of make that connection? How smart are Dot and Bet? I feel like they Bet's smart, right? No, Dot. Dot. I'm so Dot's the cynical one, even okay. though she's got the more whimsical name. <laughs> yeah. So Dot, she's pretty smart. Maybe they'll figure it out next episode. Let's wait and see. That's the thing. I thought the dot was smarter just because she's more cynical. And that yeah. seems like the correct call in so many areas of life. <laughs> but the more I've gotten to know them both, I feel like they're both kind of below average intelligence. Yeah. They're well, and that makes sense. They were shut as they said, they're shut ins. Yeah. You know, they, the amount of culture and learning they have is what they read in magazines and what and that their mother let them yeah. read. So mm-hmm. and they and never sh- saw movies or anything, so uh. Exactly. But uh anyway, moving on, Esmeralda and Stanley meet and uh he's pissed that they have to forget about the twins for now because they just turned up missing. And he goes, Look, I gotta get something to this museum so I can pay the bills. Let's just chop off Jimmy's lobster hands and throw them in a tank and that will that'll get us by, right? And uh she, Esmeralda says, I've got a better idea. You want something small, easy to transport, won't, won't fight back, and that launches into an elaborate Ma Petite death fantasy where they put her in a jar, drown her in formaldehyde as Stanley holds her head down and says shh shh 
And he says, yeah. wow, you're ruthless. And Esmeralda says, I am what I have to be. Mm. She's actually not that ruthless. She seems like she's loaded with Ruth. She has <laughs> normal to high amounts of Ruth in her. <laughs> so we will find that as we go to the episode. Anything else? I mean, we already kind of talked about yeah. how disturbing this was. Yeah. The holding of the head down. and uh, it, That wasn't as disturbing as the next one is. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get to that. Uh, Elsa is sitting on her bed and she's singing the song, which I don't know what it is, but it's it's talking about September, November, these few precious days I'll have to spend with you. And it's very, it's actually very beautiful. And uh, Wait, she does. I think you skipped the part where uh, she actually takes Mopati into the barn. Uh no no that's actually a little bit later. Oh is it? We, yeah we have a, a la- we have a f- good break between the fantasy and the reality, uh, oh. which is still it's it's and that's another thing that feels cheap that we got faked out twice. Yeah. But at least I'm on to their whole death fantasy stuff now. Yeah. It's not as jarring. And uh, you know it's seeing Mopati die in a fantasy isn't as bad as losing her. So I guess I can sure. reconcile with that. We, we, the audience still is a winner. <laughs> uh, what do you think Paul is feeling in the scene? Because it does seem like he's somehow affected by her singing to him, and he's feeling something. I think but... he's feeling pity. Oh, this woman be. who's who's got these dreams of television and these delusions of grandeur, and he's entertaining her by listening to her sing and by giving her that good D. But uh, <laughs> that's seal D. But he's got something else on his mind. And seal uh, he... He try, she tries to invite him to bed, and he goes, I don't feel like being your hot water bottle lady, and he excuses himself because he's got a lot on his mind, and she invites him over for a goodnight kiss, and when he acquiesces, she says, you reek of Venetian romance. Who are you screwing? And he says, none of your goddamn business. And it's not. And she throws his drink, her drink in his face and said, who are you? And he goes, who, are, who am I? Who are you? And I thought we were going to get into a Pee Wee Herman-esque <laughs> debate, but he goes, you're no princess. We're all here just to serve your deceitful and demonic soul. Where are the twins? Everyone's talking. And Miss Mars says, that's pure shiza. Go wake them up. Go wake them all up and drag them to my bedroom. Did she said bullshit in German? Bullshit. Shai- I think shiza is, sh- is shit. It's shit. But sh- I think she said bullshit. <laughs> what? I missed the front part. I don't it, know. It sound, I mean, German is so close to English. Is it? it? It's sound. Bullenscheiser. It's something like that. That's Bullenscheiser. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's exact. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, Hitler couldn't have said it better himself. <laughs> well, you know, he was known as a very powerful and eloquent speaker. So I will take that as the compliment. I'm sure it was intended. <laughs> um, she's in. Now she goes out of her bedroom and she's in the whatever her main birthday reception hall is, and she's tearing down the birthday decorations, and she's throwing the presents, and she's haranguing everyone as they arrive about how ungrateful, ungrateful ingrates, which... Which is exactly what she is. I always love that. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, I rescue you, and this is how you repay me. Um, And she demands to know which of them think that she has anything to do with the disappearance of the girls... Um, and she starts saying, like, I forget what the little strong guy is, but, you know, I rescued you from some shitty situation. You were busting rocks. 
and she goes to the pinheads and says, and you were stuck in that urine-stained mattress at this shit-stained orphanage, starving, gnawing on rats. And she says that their sister abandoned them. Yeah, even your own sister didn't love you. Which I think... I think that Pepper's sister in Asylum had a a baby that Pepper allegedly killed. So... Uh Uh-huh. So, this is classic abuser speak. Yeah. You know, look what I've done for you and you're... You're I'm everything and you are nothing. And... you know, Jimmy tries to step forward and says, look, you, this is crazy because it is. Of course we trust you. And she's like, prove it to me. How? Get on the fucking wheel. And Jimmy steps forward and uh, was going to strap himself. And Paul Paul screams, I volunteer for tribute. <laughs> and uh, what do you know? He, even though it doesn't seem anatomically possible, gets strapped to that wheel. Yeah. <laughs> They've had to do some reconfiguring of the hand straps. Uh, next scene, long story short, she misses with the first two as she's evil Mars monologuing about fate and the wheel. I and... thought for sure that she was going to throw that dagger right into his dick. Well, see, when so they... he would live, but he couldn't, you know, be of use to her or any other woman. I thought that I, I expected it to go down exactly because that's when they're showing her practicing on the wheel, the, uh, the bale, the straw bale. She did the exact same thing. Oh, did she? The exact same locations, and when they she threw the second one and it went almost to his dick, I'm like, you're not going to fake out with an almost dick and go straight to the dick. Oh, yeah. I figured it out then, but I just oh, thought, okay. I knew she was going to hit him with ah, one of them when right. they started the thing. Well, I palpitated that because everything unf- unfurled exactly according to my plan and how I foresee it, but uh, <laughs> she did. She missed with the first two, nails him right in the guts with the last one, and I will have to say that I would throw up and choke on my own vomit just from the spinning of that wheel. Like, I can't imagine how, how, oh, yeah, I'm, my motion sickness. Yeah. Uh, she's, uh, why would anyone put Elsa in charge of calling a doctor? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I guess that's the whole. And then hours after she calls the doctor, I'm making air quotes, nobody checks in on that. That's, this is, yeah, there's some feedback along those lines that we'll get to. Um, but yeah, I mean, so clearly she threw this on purpose, right? Oh yeah. She looks awful damn guilty Until when they fade to commercial. Really? Yeah. And then the stuff- I think it's one of those instant remorse things where you have a fit of rage and you break something and then you realize that was your favorite hmm. teacup and now you feel bad. Interesting. You meant to do it, but maybe she's a little remorseful. Uh, she's alienating everyone. She's going to die by the end of the season, isn't she? Yeah. She's going to have a giant downfall. Yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of parallels the story of Co- Co- Coven, too, right? Because that's kind of similar where she's abusing most of the people around her. And, and uh, it's kind of actually the same damn story. Her trying to pursue this eternal youth thing. Yeah. And still be re- relevant in the face of her fading glory. Actually, I'm pretty sure that she's just going story. She's, yeah, it's she's being like typecast a tiny bit. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised that she reads these scripts and doesn't call uh Murphy right, it was Ryan Murphy, mm-hmm. and be like, "You motherfucker, I get it, I get it. My skin's getting a little saggy. I got crow's feet. <laughs> Fuck off and die." Hey, have you seen her in Grey Gardens? Nope. <sighs> Same character. <laughs> <laughs> she, she plays it well. Well, she plays uh, Jackie O's cousin. 
Yeah. And Drew oh. Barrymore is her daughter. Oh. And they're living in this decrepit mansion and they're just, you know, they used to be wealthy and, you know, uh, debutantes who never got married and they just, it, it's really, really sad, but same character. <laughs> oh, all right. Uh, continuing on, uh, the candy striper wakes up and tries to sneak out the house and her dad, uh, threatens her with a shotgun and she says, I'm in love, daddy, and I'm going to go see him and stomps off into the night. Uh, more on that later. Okay. Esmeralda wakes up Ma Petite, and Ma Petite says, The moon is beautiful. No, I didn't do it. I lost it. Can't mm-hmm. do the Petite. Mm-hmm. And she's she's saying these things, and you can see that Esmeralda is just like, Oh, God. I, I She's already... The, the Ruth is flowing strong in her. Her ruthlessness Ma, Ma is Petite a facade. couldn't be any cuter. I'm sorry really? if you don't like being treated like a baby and are also listening to this podcast. Yes. We love you. You're adorable. And we should respect, and we would, and if we met you in real life, completely respect your body a- autonomy. And we would not, like, pick you up and no. bounce us, bounce you on our knee. Wouldn't even ask. But the, the desire to do that would be strong. Not for me. Well, you know. <laughs> um, she says, hey, I'm going to take you to the bar with surprises. And she says, I hope it's a pony. Oh, my God. Uh, we're going to play a game. I tiny lo- things writing tiny things. <laughs> uh, we're going to play a game. I love games. I'm going to put you in this jar. Like I love butter- jars. Yeah, like a <laughs> butterfly. And she's flapping her little hands like a butterfly. And, it's, and as the jar of formaldehyde's coming up, like how do you... Can Ma, you know, this episode tells me that Ma Petite is kind of simple herself. Yeah. like That she, makes sense. She's not... I don't know. She's not... Um, experiencing dismay that Maggie or that uh, Elsa's making her watch her have sex yeah fall. Maybe that's the thing and she's just she scarred can't, she can't read the formaldehyde jar she's got the label facing out before she pours yeah yeah so uh, yeah I'm just wondering <laughs> how they backed how how she backs down from that and be like well the game's over you you uh, beautiful butterfly let's go back to bed or let's go hunt uh, early morning fireflies there you go uh, the taxi cab pulls up and it's the candy striper she's looking for Paul he didn't show up. She was worried. And we then go to Elsa's tent where she's smoking up Paul on uh, She's an opium, which is not a bad way to treat a dying in... man's pain. It looked like they were in uh, Dell's trailer. Really? They were in someone else's trailer. Okay. Maybe Ethel's. Nah, I would recognize Ethel's awesome trailer. But, but I, Maybe I'm... it's Paul's. I think it's Paul's trailer, actually, huh. now that I think about it. And she whispers what seems like cold-blooded smack and like a murder confession to Zir. It's like, I don't uh, I don't think the spinning wheel act is right for my show. And Paul says, you didn't even call the stretcher, did you? And she goes, well, you know what? I wouldn't shed a tear for you if you died because you betrayed me. And just then the candy striper finds them, walks in, and calls for help for anyone that would hear, which apparently no one is there. Uh, Jimmy comes in and confronts his mom. Uh, Ethel and she he accuses her of he can't believing that she's still making this cake. He's like, Jimmy, the cake's made. No sense leaving off the frosting, which that's what I love about Ethel. <laughs> uh, she knows she she keeps in mind the things that are important in life. Yeah. And he's like, you know, Paul might die. And she goes, Well, Elsa, call the doctor. What do you want? And he's like, Well, the doctor never came. And he's like, you know, Ma, this is all fishy. This thing with the twins, this thing with the pa- the the Paul. And Ethel says, look, if Elsa said the twins ran off, they ran off. What are you, which is interesting because that's pretty much his opinion when he was talking to Paul. Yeah, so yeah. how's that feel? How do you like them apples? Uh, Eve runs up and says Ma Petite's missing. And Jimmy starts rounding up the freak posse when Esmeralda walks up with Ma. 
and uh, she's very excited to eat hotcakes and explains that they were off hunting fireflies. And when Eve and Ma Petite go off to eat hotcakes, presumably, <laughs> uh, Esmeralda says to Jimmy, let's run away together. And he's like, do you mean it? Because this is a total departure from how you were rolling last episode. And she says, you're damn right I do. And he goes, I got to do one thing first. Get your bags packed. Which, of course, we know is the kiss of death. Because she goes into her tent and Stanley's there. Uh-oh. Says, look, uh, I'm supposed to take the, this package back to the museum. And you fucked me. And I would kill you and stuff you in this jar, except for you're not worth anything. Lots of abuser speak going on in oh, this yeah. season. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking all this shit out of your paycheck, and we're going back to my original plan. You get Jimmy in that shed, and we're going to take his hands. We're going to kill him and take his hands. She should just reveal him then. Yeah, I don't know why she can... Like, if she's willing to run away, which forgoes her entire reward, why doesn't she just out this guy? Because I think she would go down with him. Go down for what? She, for being I, I, a fraud and for uh, okay. joining the freak show under false pretenses. So she could out him. She'd also be outing herself and she wouldn't have anywhere to go or anything to do. But what, he's sort but, of but her what meal if, ticket. But I mean, she's clearly a talented cold reader. Do the freaks really believe that she can accurately predict the future? And also Jimmy loves her. And I feel like that oh, Jimmy the, could be like, "That's no big. I murdered a cop." I've seen this story play out a million times. You're 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 defrauding people. That's what we all do. You I I kill murdered a, a cop. Meep was just killed, and he'd take it personally like that. No, he wouldn't admit uh, to killing a cop. That happened once. Everyone's forgotten it, and they're all being very yeah. You're right. Again. You're right. The whole you know you thought it was the one way, and it's now the another. But I'm sincerely in love with you. You're right. That's that's yeah. pretty tropey. Mm-hmm. So, kind of respect the show for staying away from that particular trope. For now. For now. Uh, let's see. Mother. What's what's the dandy's name? Gloria given? Mott. Mott. Ma- Mama Mott says, Dandy, I brought you snacks and an RC cola. <laughs> looks like even rich people in the South love their moon pies and their RC cola. Yeah. Because that looks like what she's packing. Yeah. And... Uh, He's crying, and he's he's opened her diary. Looks like he snipped it with mm-hmm. maybe his little uh, ceremonial murder dagger. There you go. But you called it. You called it. We actually get a good look at it in the scene. Yeah. And uh, he she he demands her to read it aloud so he can hear it's real. And she he starts reading uh, Dot's diary, and she goes, "That man boy, yuck! He drones on about the most boring subjects, and I was a shut in, so boring me is not easy." I uh, pays him, her to laugh at his jokes. She'd rather die than kiss him. And he goes on about uh, how these twins were saving him. And her mom says, well, you should buy one a fox stole or a tennis bracelet and the other will be green with envy. And he goes, damn it, mom, I don't want to buy love. And he says, I wish you could be in my body for one minute. Minute? 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 A minute? 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 Which I wonder if that, knowing this show the way I do. Yeah. It means something. I feel morally certain that when we come back from the mid-season break, which I think they're going to take like they did last year. Oh, really? Um, that's what my, my, my guess is, is that they're going to do a body switch episode. <laughs> really? Which I'm kind of, I, I kind of, as I'm thinking about it, I love to see whoever this is that's playing Miss Mott. I would love to see her play the dandy. <laughs> and I think the dandy could totally crush playing her. Yeah. And I think I just like that sounds hysterically creepy and I love it. Yeah. 
That's my official prediction. That's okay. where this is going. All right, I like that. But he goes on and on about his heart's a desert, and they were the stream bring the bloom, and now his chest contains oh, dust and scorpions. And it's, this is interesting because this is these were dots, private thoughts. Yes, before she came around to the separation idea. So she, I think she's changed her mind, and she's kind of on board with trying to butter him up. But she would put all that in the diary. I just oh, wanted yeah. for his money. And oh yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. I mean, this is going to do interesting things to her plan. Mm, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I... Because wa- now I, he's... Yeah. I wonder if... I wonder if some of these freak murder fantasies are not going to come true in another way. So, I just wonder if, like, we're really going to see their heads cut off and it's going to be some kind of joint dandy yeah. Stanley production. It could um, be. Yeah, and I don't know how I feel ends. about that. Everyone ends up in the morbidity museum but anyway the high creepy horns just get louder and louder as he's going on and on about this emptiness is a blessing not a curse as he pulls a ceremonial dagger out of his little um his adorable jewelry what do you call it an ar- toy box yeah here you go of mirror vanity i now know why it's put here my purpose is to bring death and he tucks his knife in his pants and leaves and and miss dandy is I I don't know what she's feeling honestly. She I think she knows that she can't stop him. I don't think she wants to. She's she seems no more than annoyed. She seems when... like her highest priority is keeping him happy at all times. It's her son. She's got to do right by him and make him happy because that's what a good mother does and just love him despite whatever he is or whatever his failings are. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, the doorbell rings and it's Jimmy. He goes, Hey, I'm your son's friend. And Miss Mott says, my son has no friends, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> and Danny says, let him in mother. He's here for the girls. Bom, bom, bom. So he's going to try He's got the dagger ready. He's going to try to kill Jimmy, right? He's got murder on his mind. Yeah. Mind on murder. I just think Jimmy's going to be ready for him. Oh yeah. I don't think we're going to lose either of the characters in this scuffle, but sure. it's going to happen. Uh, which will be interesting because if Dandy's out, out outed as a murderer, then I I don't know I don't know where where that leaves him to go because mm-hmm. of course I guess the freaks could report him and no one will believe him because yeah. apparently you know the Mots have a lot of money and they've covered shit like this up before so what are you gonna do yeah um still waiting for <laughs> the garden or the the is all it Sabaday, what a bay what's Gabrielle Sabaday? Yes. I thought she was going to be one at the end Sidibay, of the day. actually, you were wrong. Okay. D called your shit out. Oh, did she? Yeah, do you feel properly uh set straight? No. All right, I still can't say it even after you I've heard you <laughs> pronounce it. I'll be it wrongly three or four times. Okay. Gabrielle What is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, Ethel uh, is sitting in the birthday celebration area, I think, and waits for Elsa to have a hunk of her own cake. And Elsa said, I had a sister once. She was two years older. She died as an infant. My parents never recovered. I just reminded them of what they lost, and I had to create a family. And everyone here is my own babies, my own special ones. I love them all. And she goes, but you, Ethel, you were that sister I never had. And uh, she says, "Why don't the Why don't the freaks know my heart?" And she goes, "Well, you put a knife in one of them's guts, and between that and the twins, 
She lights a candle, and Kathy Bates just crushes this next part. She goes, I'll tell you one thing. If I found that you were lying and you did wrong by them girls, I'll kill you with my own two hands. And she smiles, and they both smile at each other, which I feel like they both know the real truth. Yeah. And I got a couple other follow-up questions, but she says, uh, when she closes her eyes and makes a wish, she says, I just want to be loved. Blows out the candles, fade to black. Is Ethel going to kill Elsa at the end of the series? Who gets the privilege of killing her? I think that would be right. It's kind of like um, whatever the boy's name, who was uh, who had Lassie. Oh yeah, Timmy. Yeah, little Timmy. Timmy had to put Lassie down himself. I think you're confusing Lassie. No, no, no. Lassie old Yeller. Old Yeller, I'm sorry. It, fun fact. Lassie's dead right now. Fun though, fact, so. every Lassie episode ended with Timmy having to put a bullet in Lassie. It's kind of like, they, it's a controversial, but they did it kind of like Kenny on South Park, where they just became a joke. <laughs> okay, so the episode it made where... made <laughs> The episode where Milo put down Otis, and you just got to do it yourself. Mm. Mm. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. That's why so feel, that's why yeah. the greatest generation is so great. They're just their shit was hard growing <laughs> up watching, you know, listening to Timmy kill Lassie week after week under radio dramas. Yeah. They shed no tears. Nope. Uh so that seems like a perfectly cromulent episode. Mm-hmm. Kind of not my favorite, but we had a, a, a feels like a run of strong ones leading up to this, so I'm not not gonna jump ship or anything. Plus I gotta do this podcast. How am I going to front? <laughs> I'm chained. I'm chained to this thing like Ahag to the white whale. Ahab. Ahab. <laughs> A-rat. What? I don't. Shit. I don't even know it anymore. It's gotten all jumbled in my head. But I'm lashed to this white whale called Ryan Murphy. And I'm going down with it. Okay. Hey, would you like to know how to support Bald Move? Yes. There's please. a ton of ways. Uh, our Amazon, we... Uh, we're doing a kind of big push for Amazon because it's Christmas time, uh-huh. and I found it's super convenient to use their surf- their services because shit sold out. You know what's never sold out? Amazon. Nope. Unless you wait to the week before Christmas, counting on their two day shipping, and then they will let you down. Yes. So uh, they're they're gonna have their black. They got Black Friday sales. They got Digital Monday or whatever the hell they're calling it now. They got great shipping and service. If you're an Amazon Prime member, all that stuff is two days to your door for free. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Uh, they also got this really cool feature now where you can agree to waive that and they'll send it standard shipping and you get like a buck for a Kindle or book credit. Yeah. I love so that. I've been taking advantage of that and shit I don't care about getting to me. Um, but you can use amazon.baldmove.com to support us. And how that ha- works is you know, you experience no difference in your shopping experience. You just are redirected to Amazon, except for now, your shopping cart is preloaded with love. Aww. Love for Bald Move. We Tis the season. Tis the season. Uh, you can also go to patreon.com slash bald move, uh, where you can sign up for extended access. You can get rid of these ads. So you have an access to an ad free feed for everything. Pretty cool. We're doing a lot of interesting stuff. Check it out on patreon.com slash bald move. Um, also, if you're a Patreon member, you get early access to the forums. There's, uh, we, we open that up to Patreon people. This week, next week, we're opening up to subbable people. Ooh. And then probably the week after that, because we're, we're sorting through a lot of kind of, uh, you know, early access problems. Uh, probably the week after that, it'll be general public. But uh, 
That's exciting. Getting a lot of positive feedback from it so far. I'm pretty excited about uh, making this a new new way to interact with everybody. And I'm on the forums too, so I'll see you there. Just got on and got you promoted to uh, your proper host, so you get a lord power over everyone. Be, <laughs> this this is going to turn into American Horror Story. I'm see how long it takes me to get banned. Cecily Mars. <laughs> <laughs> Every day it's my birthday in the forums. <laughs> the whole yeah, 365 year. <laughs> days. No, you'll do the unbirthday. Oh, the one day that actually is my birthday, I won't celebrate it? No, you'll do that, too. Every other day is your unbirthday. Oh, I see. Have your cake and eat it, too. Mm. Uh, this bit kind of fell apart. Uh-huh. Uh, also, rate and review us on iTunes, because that's the way, that's that's the number one way. If uh, you, you cannot and will not and should not give us any other support, please rate and review us on iTunes, because that's, that's how we get a bigger audience. That's the way, uh-huh, uh-huh, you like it. That's right. That's how you, you quantify your liking of the show, by giving it a number of stars commiserate with your love. Uh, let's get the feedback. Um, Big Red Kelly gave us a uh, post to the Huffington Post, a Huff Post, on Dennis O'Hare's American Horror Story, uh, where you know what? what? This is actually a little bit of a spoiler. So I'm gonna save this. I, I keep forgetting. I this show like doesn't even give a shit about their own spoilers, no. and it always throws me. And I start. No, to Ryan quit. Murphy like, oh, wait, told us is... weeks ago that the, the <sighs> Dandy was in love with the twins. Yeah, right. So I'm gonna go ahead and drag this down to the spoiler section. And again, it's minor, and it seems like a lot of people just don't care the same way they care about a lot of shows. But I just you know don't don't want anybody to get hurt. Uh, Michael Guy said, if Dot had the surgery and removed Bet, wouldn't the base of the neck still be there as well as her spine and other organs? You'd think so. That's what's fascinating. Like, I just don't think it's possible. They have separate DNA even, don't they? Like the way these conjoined twins? I don't think so. Really? Yeah, because identical twins have the same DNA, don't they? But if you just didn't split all the way, if you just chopped off the head and sewed it up or whatever, the other organs that still belong to Dot or still belong to bet would continue to go on. And the, the, the way I read that one story is the twins that are the real life conjoined two headed twins. They have to coordinate their bodies like bilaterally. Like one has the right leg and foot. One has the left leg and arm, not foot uh-huh. and to drive and walk and do all that stuff. They have to work mentally together. So if you chop off one head, and as old as they are, I feel like those neural pathways are set that you'd just be paralyzed on one side of your body. Maybe that's how their story goes. That would be interesting if Bet or Dot got what she wanted and she's even more of a freak than she was before. Wow. Wow. So, uh, again, continue to mind the darkness on these episodes. Laura McPee says, it seems like the others in the show would likely not be 100% okay with Elsa hiding her condition while they're all living in the open. This episode feels like it's missing something. I don't want to call it filler, but it's perilously close to that. Um, what's your opinion on the fact that Paul and Ma Petite and maybe probably even Ethel seem like they're okay with her pretending to be whole and lording this over, even though she has just as big of a disability or disfigurement as they do? I just feel like they're all enablers and but um, why how did they for I would really like to get the backstory on exactly how she decided she was just going to go around and collect all of her little monsters do you think we'll get that maybe it was I don't know I, I feel like a long time ago 
this freak show act, like how you saw um, Ethel in her heyday, was a lot classier affair. Sure. You know, she had the song and dance, and it was really nice. I think that's maybe how Elsa got her start. She became a freak, and she, uh. I don't know, she knew that she wouldn't be able to work in movies again or something like that, and uh, she started exploiting all these other people with these promises, and I just think they're in really deep. That's interesting because, like, today, the freak show renaissance is all about empowerment of these people. Yeah. Like, we're proud and we're different, but we're embracing that and we're finding that, you know, us owning it, other people are loving it. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this empowerment thing. And I think you're right about the abuser speak, too, is maybe these people feel like they don't have a chance of running the show or going on living some other life that doesn't involve her. Yeah, that shit works. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the thing. Um, so uh, Laura continues and says, I wonder if this Medical Maladies Museum is a bastardized version of the Mütter Museum in Philly. I live in a Philadelphia suburb, and Mütter is an upscale version of the museum in AHS. They do have lots of oddities and formaldehyde. But that's to be expected at a medical museum. However, freaks are not the bread and butter of the mutter. Or the Mutter. <laughs> I wish I knew how to make an umilat for uh, here on Facebook because it's pronounced Mutter. Got got the memo. Uh, still fucked it up once in a paragraph. <laughs> I actually, I think so because I've actually tried searching for the actual proper term that they use on um, the American Horror, and it redirects. All it seems like Google just treats it as if I'm searching for the Mutter. So, um, and they probably. The museum probably want to have nothing to do right. with the even suggestion that higher ups might be willing to pay bounties for dead freaks. Yeah. That, you know, I mean, I can see how that would be radioactive. So they just change the name a little bit, maybe change the location. Presto changeo. <laughs> uh, Amy P said, so what? Jimmy can go into town, but he can't take Paul to the hospital if only his name were Meep. Oh, Jesus. Uh and also, calling more bullshit, that dr- girl that was drugged and raped is now in love with Paul. I feel like we we covered that quite nicely. But of all the freaks at the end of the episode are gathered in, in in with Paul because that's what when she was you know sharing her hunk of cake. That's what Ethel explained to Elsa, and they're all sitting talking amongst themselves. Jesus, why why isn't there a doctor here? You think they're they'd all just say, sitting around drinking? Yeah, and they left. Paul alone with Elsa. Which, again, that could be defensible depending on how far they're willing to go as far as ascribing the evilness to Elsa May or, God, Elsa Mars. But, yeah, I, I, by the time it's noon the next day, the man's had a knife in his guts or, you know, had had a knife in his guts like 18 hours ago. Get the man to a doctor. Something. Um, Try to sew it up yourself. Do anything. Frack and T said, I think the point at this point, we have to accept the fantasy freak snuff scenes as part of the visual language of the story, just like sometimes the questionable musical numbers. I like them now that I know what's going on. It's a way of giving us these awful scenes without having to mean it, just like in Coven, killing everyone off just to bring them back to life the next episode. <laughs> he said Coven again. Is it Coven? Yeah. Jesus, I thought I was saying Coven all along. Nothing and... beats Coven like a lovin' in the oven or whatever it is you used to say. <laughs> but I thought that was me saying it wrong deliberately. No. Ah, oh, shit. Well, now it's crossed in my mind. I'll never know the correct pronunciation. <laughs> I'll pronounce it Coven Coven. Uh, Nikki P said, I liked this episode. I liked Elsa telling Paul not to fall in love and the show revealing her feelings for him through the song she sang, her jealous rage and her lonely birthday thoughts. Her feelings are messed up, but they're there. 
I like the convenience store exchange. It was very powerful. Uh, Ma Petite being a hot water bottle and a butterfly was adorable against my better judgment. I think that's how we all feel. <laughs> yes. The twins' diary and conflicted feelings about Dandy were great stuff. I didn't like Paul having a random secret girlfriend, and I don't care about her story. She also says, my prediction for next episode is Russell Edgington will run into the strongman at a gay club because how many can this town have? Right. The strongman will probably be there looking for his paramour. He will threaten to cut him if he doesn't kill a freak for him, and his leverage is outing him. That seems almost yeah, we're, a, we're a worried Del and Desiree this episode. Wasn't Desiree moved into Ethel's trailer? Uh, we had some shield, elaborate shield jokes on Facebook. Okay. Um, which I should have, I actually should have put on, on there. I never watched the shield. Like, it's like Vic, Mick, Vic Mackey was out rolling the whatever district. Cause I, yeah, I only watched the first season of Shield, so I didn't get a lot of references. But okay. just like, you know, people that don't watch True Blood have no idea what we're going on about Russell Edgington. <laughs> so maybe we should call or him, maybe kids. we should call him Stanley Edgington. No, I like Russell. All right. <laughs> Uh, a couple long-form takes. Manira P. said, I'm totally invested in the Dandy and Bet's relationship. When they touched hands over the popcorn, swoon. Really? This, this, uh, you, you may, you may need to see a doctor for a case of the goth. You might got a touch of goth. Yeah. Because I don't know that that's supposed to be an authentic romantic. No. This is some Nightmare Before Christmas twisted, twisted Nightmare Before Christmas shit we're seeing. She says, why can't Dot just be a team player and act like any normal girl does and play along until you get what you want? What? Whoa. <laughs> Are you... I... Uh, she... I don't even know where to begin <laughs> with that. <laughs> Is that real or did you just write that in there? I... Just to piss me off. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Uh... Uh, my pin, my pin name Manira continues and says, "I'm not, however, shipping real life couple Jimmy and Emma Roberts. I don't remember the character's name, so I'll just use her real one, Esmeralda. Jimmy and uh, so I guess they're a real couple. What the fuck? Oh yeah, they've been dating since before Coven. Seriously? Yeah, they were dating, and I guess it was sort of a coincidence that they both were cat. I mean, not Evan Peters. He was gonna be in it." Either way, but he's, he's the worst part of the show, in my opinion. That they brought in uh, Emma Roberts, and they happen to be dating, and now they're huh s- super dating. Hey, did you know? I feel like that that she like I can't decide whether she's going to be a big star because she's got the pedigree, she's well, extremely lovely, but her acting is just kind of no. And here's a funny eh. story that I read because she's on the paths of like Lindsay Lohan and Amanda Bynes. Oh, seriously? Yeah, I read oh, that wow. they got the police called because she gave Evan Beaters a bloody nose. Really? So, yeah. Hmm. He dropped charges or whatever it is you do in a situation like that. But interesting. I it's, enjoy that. It's funny. Uh, no, it's not funny. Actually, that's that's terrible. It's horrible. He should have pressed charges against her. He should not be with her anymore. Yep. But you know, uh, that just illustrates that domestic violence, uh, while uh, it can cut both ways, it's a real real deal. Uh, anyway. Uh, she goes, I like her better as Madison Surprise Bitch Montgomery, which I did too. I thought she rocked last season. Yeah. Just, I feel as, like she was just playing herself, right? As much as one. <laughs> now she's trying to play a sympathetic character. I'm, ah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. She does have a little bit of that uh, touch The badass of, of the heart of gold. I don't believe there's a heart of gold in there. Which is amazing as to how well Lindsay Lohan played a good girl. I think like she was. Girls. 
Oh, really? Yeah, I think she was when it started out. But when that, you when you're a child star, yes, that's, that's damaging. Think about you as a 15, 16 year old, and now think of you where everywhere you go, people mob you for autographs. You have millions of dollars. People are telling you how sexy you are, yes. and just the constant barragement of just um, what's the opposite of infantilizing? Adult, sexualizing, sexualizing, adults. yeah, yeah sexualizing, making you feel like you're a grown up when you're still just a kid, yeah, and you need to develop yeah. in that time. And they started out way younger. She was just a little kid when she started playing. Um, I don't remember what her first role was. She played twins in one of those stupid movies. Yeah, yeah, it's a Parent Trap, right? Yeah. So it's sad, but it happens. I thought there's a really interesting. Timothy Oliphant, who plays Raylan Givens, amongst other things, on Justified. And uh, he was, I think it was on a Nerdist podcast, and they were act, they're talking about how really stable he seems. Like, you know, the Timothy Oliphant, the star, and Timothy Oliphant, the person, are not much different, and mm-hmm. he doesn't chase the limelight. He's like, I credit for, I got famous, like, in my early 30s. You know, I was a grown-ass man. I was married. I think I, he already had a kid. And I'd been like steady doing just kind of meat and potato rolls. And then I kind of blew up and got famous, but I'd already kind of finished developing as a person. Mm -hmm. And he said, I really feel sorry for people that get famous young because it's just such a fucking traumatic experience for how you're trying to develop as a person. So anyway, good luck there, Emma. Stop, stop punching your boyfriend. That's not cool. Um, Anyway, she continues to Jimmy slash Evan is too fucking whiny for my t- uh, liking. Is it wrong that I miss uh, motherfucking Tate, which I think is his character from the first season? I don't know. Yes. Okay. So anyway, she also wonders, what are we going to be watching next? I have no idea. Girls. I want to do girls. Oh, a girls cast. Okay. It's got some serious dramatic No, I love girls. I I know covering a comedy is difficult, but it's got things to chew into. It's not. Plus, it's like just... Yeah, because we have really different perspectives on that show sometimes. Yeah. Um, And I find that I'm often wrong. But... (laughs) No, I totally, totally... I I can get down with that. So there you go. Suggestions, if you will. There you go. That that seems like our tentative next next project. Uh That's it. Uh, if you'd like to send us more feedback, we got a spoiler section coming up. Ooh, ooh. But you can send it to AHS Alpha Hotel Sierra at uh, baldmove.com. Or Amer- it's it's also the initials of American Horror Story. I don't know if you guys realize that, too. <laughs> Is that why you've been laughing at me the whole time? No. Okay. Because I'm like, I just realized that's pretty stupid. It's AHS, like American Horror Story. And I've been doing this NATO signal intelligence no, bullshit. No, there's tons there's tons of military personnel that are listening to this podcast (laughs) (laughs) it's one of the official stations on freedom radio or whatever the time now is uh 1300 yeah 1327 (laughs) um so let's uh get to oh you can also follow us along at uh, facebook.com slash bald move for our weekly threads and our podcast threads and soon the bald move forums were just weeks away from them being open to the public If you want to get on early, there's always Patreon. Um, so we'll see you in the spoiler section. Those of you brave enough to to face that horror. Uh, everybody else, we'll see you next week. I'm Aaron. And I'm Cecily. Bye-bye.
And we're back for the spoiler section. Now, let's talk about Dennis O'Hare, Stanley's giant 13-inch penis. Uh, he said that uh, he's confirming, I guess, Ryan Murphy had a previous article where he claimed that Stanley had a 13-inch penis, which was, quote-unquote, subtly referenced in a previous episode. Um, he goes, what I love about American Horror Story is it's never just a gag, pardon the pun. There's more to it, O'Hare, who is openly gay in his on-screen life, tells outrider Stanley Lambe. It's actually a burden to Stanley. It's actually marked him as a freak. Really? Really? Yeah. Lugging that 13-inch penis around all your life that only comes out at intimate moments. <laughs> I'm is... just sad that it's not two seven-inchers. Yeah, the, I think you guys with the forked penis is way more interesting. Yeah. Um, but I guess actually, I feel sorry for a th- guy with a thirteen-inch dick. That's got to be—that's that's how long it is. Yeah, your your laptop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep, that's a lot to top on your lap. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, I'm sure there, um, there's, you know, you got the size queens and men and women, uh, that that like that uh, kind of uh, uh pelvic invasion. But I imagine that's just uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of baggage for an overhead compartment to accommodate. Yeah. You can't get that in wheels wheels in. No. You got to like put it in sideways and the other passengers are complaining. It's tie in a bow and just stuff. You got to check that. You got to check that at the <laughs> gate. A lot, lot of, lot of stewardesses and stewards are going to tell you to check that shit at the gate. And then you're sad panda. Mm. So, so maybe uh, that's what, maybe that was the allusion to the third leg. I think so. Yeah. I do think so. Um, he continues that this Mark Stanley is abnormal. Being a gay man in the 1950s is abnormal, and it's an exploration of what is and isn't normal. Uh, so anyway, that's that's confirmation. No fork penises, people. Sad face. It's all just all a regular just a big old dick. Big old dick. And uh, thanks for uh, the ironically named Big Red Kelly <laughs> for <laughs> sending that in to us. Uh, Manira has a little double dip spoiler action. She says, now that we know Twisty and Edward will be back, are we to guess that they will be back for another true freak like Dandy? I see Dandy as a true freak because while, yes, he enjoys killing people, I don't think he sees it as committing murder. He sees it more as a passion akin to a performance platform. Do you think that hmm. Twisty and Edward will be back to save the day at the end of the season and and reap the Dandy? No. I feel like that is that's something I, that will probably happen. He's not a pure freak. Well, but what is a pure freak? Because obviously he's taken other freaks that have been bad before, I think. Yeah. I think. Unless he's collecting a get, bunch of tortured souls. Uh, you know souls. what? I guess that's right. If I'm going with the Elsa logic, then he is just pure uh, vanity who doesn't see the error in his ways and he's just... Because he was going to take Elsa. Purely bad, yeah. He was going to take Elsa until the piano music somehow psychically disturbed him. So I feel like that there's two categories of freaks he takes. I just I just feel bad for Twisty if he has to get stuck with the dandy for eternity. Yeah. But maybe that's the thing. <laughs> when Edward takes you, you uh, are absolved of all your sin and whatever about you is freakish and abnormal is, is, uh, is forgiven or accepted. And that somehow heals you. I don't know. This guy needs to be dragged down to hell, though. So it's really it's impossible to speculate. Anything could happen, and it will. <laughs> uh, George S. did some scholarly research on this whole theory, inter- greater th- uh, season interconnectivity theories. 
He says, I've only seen seasons one, two, and four of American Horror because I didn't care much for season one, and I just watched season two on a whim a month ago. Uh, he says, in season two in Asylum, there's an inmate named Shelly who is a nympho and tries to sleep with whomever she could. She's loathed by Dr. Arden, who deems her as a whore and only loves her, or wait, only loves innocent-like women. Where's the fun in that, Dr. Arden? I haven't seen you. I already think you're an idiot. <laughs> However, when he catches her trying to escape during a nor'easter, he forces her into his office and attempts to rape her, but she laughs when she sees a small penis, which is possibly mutilated or deformed. In anger, he knocks her out and amputates her legs. Ooh. This amputation is very similar to Elsa, and it's possible that Arden could have... But is it possible that Arden could have saved her? Could he be one of the six soldiers she messed around with? Arden could even possibly be one of the people who committed the horrible act that took Elsa's legs in the first place. I should also note that Dr. Arden was also seen in possession of photos displaying various fetishes and kinks. Could Dr. Arden be driven towards an innocent sister Mary, Eunice, because of all his years in the taboo sex industry? One more thing, Elsa says she is saved by a soldier boy who followed her everywhere. He rushed in the minute they left, and I will never forgive him for it. Could we see the soldier, Arden, come to America to reunite with Elsa, hoping she'd remembered him and would be gracious, only to be denied, yelled at, and his love unreturned? That could make someone, I don't know, go crazy and get hired at an asylum and start working on mutant freaks, right? Hmm. Horror show Inception. I don't know because I've not seen this episode. The timeline doesn't add up for me. Because what happened to Elsa, how long ago did that happen? 1932. Two, I think. So that's about 20 years ago? Yep. And she's... I'm assuming she's in her 50s. So I just feel like Dr. Arden would be much older mm. in Asylum. If when was Asylum case. said, do you know? No. Hmm. No, I don't. Um, and also... Maybe I... it's not... No, no, no. That maybe that would work out. I also feel like that Murphy in the interview, I got the feeling that none of the people are the same people. They could be relatives. Right. They could be successors, but they're not literally the same people in any season unless they start making this Mordrake a recurring character going forward. Yeah. I don't know. I could. I would love to see him and Twisty become like this show's crypt keeper. Yeah. Where they just are given like common – it and turns into like a Twilight Zone kind of thing where they're like – you know, narrating how fucked up all this shit is. That would take this to the next level, I think. Yeah. Keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. That's all we got. That's it? Yeah. I felt like there was more to it, but we just kind of breezed over. This is an easy Breezed episode. over the 13-inch penis. <laughs> uh, not as much discussion, and, and uh, I didn't get the references. hoping you would have more to say on uh, on uh, George's. On that last bit? Yeah. Um. Have you got any alternate theories that you'd like to discuss? No, Other I feel like we covered it pretty well as much as I know in yeah. the last episode. I think that's a very strong take. Um, it's really interesting idea. I, you know, if they do have, if they do, do the same kind <laughs> of Christmas do-do. break that they do that they did last year, um, I, I, I would be very Do interested in like going an asylum rewatch and see if we can put the pieces exactly. together. That's what I my you read my mind because we've got a lot of free time that week of Christmas. Yeah, and it'd be cool to kind of jump in there and uh, see how things do. I'm trying to see if there's. It looks like there's nine episodes planned, and then the last one they have listed is on December 10th. 
which if I go back to last year, they did the same thing on the ninth episode, which was on December 11th. They then took a full month off and came back January 8th. So it looks like just judging from the shooting schedule that they've got on Wikipedia, that they're going to do the same thing, shut it down the 10th, come back a month later. So we might have time to, to squeeze all that in. That sounds great. That's a late night Christmas scary stuff to watch. Mm. <laughs> all right. Thanks for listening once again, and we will see you next week. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Jim, you like a night out at the movies, don't you? I do, yes. What's the worst part of the movie-going experience? It's the overpriced popcorn. Nope. It is the people texting in the middle of a movie. Uh-uh. It's got to be fighting your way to the free urinal after a four-hour-long Hobbit movie, then. Close. All right, I give up. Standing in line for the privilege of buying your tickets from some snot-nosed punk in a red vest. You're right. That is the worst. Good news. There's an easy way out. Go to fandango.ballmove.com and print your tickets at home or present your e-tickets on your mobile device and breeze right through the lines like a VIP and never worry about a movie being sold out again. Fandango.ballmove.com.